When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast. My name is Corey. I am joined as always by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Sunday, June 25th. I am coming to you from jolly old Chicago. I'm in Wrigleyville. I am still waking up. I've had five cups of coffee. It's a shame that I have to wake up on a Sunday, Corey, at like 6.30 to watch Trey Mancini ruin my Sunday. That's how I'm doing. Yes. Uh, So we are coming to you, of course, uh, an earlier episode for us on a Sunday. It's about 1 o'clock in Chicago. The Cubs and Cardinals just wrapped up across the pond in London. They split the series, each taking a game. And overall, though, Brendan, we we will talk about the London series, of course. Justin Steele, a really great performance on Saturday. Marcus Stroman exiting on Sunday. Sounds like just a blister uh, that didn't open, so the Cubs got him out before that got worse. So hopefully they can kind of get that dealt with before it derails any further starts. Uh, Ian Happ's big Saturday, of course. Uh, I, I know Ryan Herrera would want me to mention it right away, but Nick Madrigal has barreled a baseball. He did it, folks? He barreled one. He did it? Congratulations! It's only up from here. Congratulations! Yeah. Uh, first since 2021, I believe. Yeah, long time coming. It's a feat. Uh, so we will talk about the London series, of course. But as you know, Brendan and I kind of uh, on Sundays here taking a look back at the entire week that was of Chicago Cubs baseball. Uh, so we'll also be talking about the Cubs sweeping the Pirates again this week. I was also in the studio uh, with Ryan and Cody this week talking about the Cubs sweep. Uh, a four in one week for the Chicago Cubs, Brendan. So the game on Sunday, very frustrating. Our YouTube chat, if you're joining us live on YouTube, hop in that chat. Let us know what you are thinking, what you want us to talk about, questions, comments, etc. Obviously, if you're listening later, wherever you get your podcasts, hello and uh, welcome. Uh, four in one week for the Chicago Cubs. Uh, really hoped that they could leave London at 500. That would have been really nice. It would have felt like a real kind of bookmark to the stretch that they have been on. But all things considered, a good week. Again, one o'clock as we record this in Chicago. So the Cubs are three and a half out of the Reds in first place. Just a couple games behind the Brewers in second place. That can change as the day goes on. But we're, we're feeling, I think, mostly in a better place with this baseball team, Brendan? Yeah, we're trending up. You're seeing the extreme in the other direction. We talked a few weeks ago, this team needs an extremely good stretch to get back into it. Jed Hoyer said the same thing. For them to be, quote-unquote, buyers at the deadline, they can't win two in a row. They can't win th- just three in a row. They have to go on a stretch, and you're kind of seeing it. You're seeing 
the top of the rotation continue to look good now with Kyle. And I know Stroman's blister is kind of disappointing, but Steele shoved and the back of the bullpen stabilizing. And overall, the power's coming out from Ian Happ's bats. You're seeing Nico go yard this week, Dansby go yard. Overall, it's been an encouraging stretch for this team. Yeah, I think, you know, again, overall, the, the co- we'll, we'll keep talking about the bigger picture and the context and where this team is at. Because as I just read off the standings, they are within striking distance of being a first place team in a division in this league. So whatever you think about yeah. the overall sum of the team or the, the slumps that they've been in, they are literally in the race right now. Still not good enough, but... It, it is not. And we'll talk about not. Tom Ricketts' comments as well about the Cubs, seeing the Cubs as buyers, all of that. To start, though... Sunday, that was a bummer, and I don't know what it is. Do you think it's because you and I record on Sundays? Is it because Cody is off on Sundays? The Cubs cannot win on a Sunday. I think they've won twice on a Sunday all season. Sunday was disappointing, I'm not going to lie. Sunday morning, uh, very early morning for you over in California, Brendan. But you take a 4-0 lead after you stomp them, on an international stage on Saturday with your ace on the mound. And he had a blister. That happens. We've seen it mess up plenty of performances in the in the past. And obviously just very thankful it's not some sort of injury or even random struggles, right? It's tough to pitch with a blister. Yeah. Uh, four to nothing lead after the top of the first. Boy, would that have felt good to kind of ride that one and get that W. Come back oh. to beautiful historic Wrigley Field at 500, kind of a new season, right? And this doesn't necessarily change that, but Sunday was a missed opportunity, Brendan. Yeah, it was a missed opportunity. Big picture, these games tend to happen. They happen every single Sunday for us, unfortunately. It is our fault, I think, Cody not being on Sunday. He brings the vibes. I'm in a bad mood right now. I'm typically in a bad mood every Sunday anyway. So this is just all our fault. I think that's what it is. But, you know, overall, you still saw a lot of good from the week, from the series. Uh, I still feel generally positive about the direction. As far as the defense and the infield goes, everyone shares the same sentiment. We're kind of exhausted at the first base situation at this point. We've gone through their Cosmer struggles. We've gone through some adjustments with Matt Mervis. Now you're seeing Trey Mancini fumble baseballs on a daily basis out there, almost injuring Mark Leiter, uh, kind of costing the game today with two completely unacceptable plays yeah and it's those it's those margin plays that keep hurting this team it hurt the team in april hurt the team in may and unfortunately for some reason at least in the early going this front office has had struggles trying to find veteran free agents to supplement the depth of this team and I don't think anyone thought it would be this bad defensively and even offensively for Trey Mancini in the early going, but it is bad, man. I mean, those are like unathletic, uninspiring, very concerning plays from a veteran that should not be making those blunders. Yeah, it's, again, like a lot of specifics to get into and, and things like that, but we... I'm seeing a lot of similar comments in our live YouTube chat here and and similar feelings that Brendan and I have and that I see on social media. Um, 
again, this team is quite literally in the division race. And uh, yeah, th- there's there's a good one on our screen now on the live YouTube chat from Bears Fan Man that says if they're serious about winning the division, they need to not put Mancini in the lineup unless the Cubs have a big lead. Seeing a lot of comments about him being in the field, you know, leaving Bellinger at first, playing Talkman in center, whatever it might be. Uh, I, I think it was further up in the chat from friend of the show, Niren, you know, saying like, you're at 500 but there's still some flaws with the roster and it's it, it's it's time to I mean, kind of get serious about some of this stuff yeah so Niren says so close to 500 roster still flawed need Jed to wake up and I I think a lot of this Brendan for me goes back to the stuff that you and me and and really anybody talking about or writing about or tweeting about this team has kind of criticized for the most part about this team is that there's a, a good core of performers who have gone through ups and downs, right? And and some of them aren't necessarily performing to the level you want. Say has been in a really rough stretch uh, for yeah. a, a good while here. He's dealt with some injuries and Ross has kind of alluded to that. They were, they're being secretive about it, but he's, you know, not performing as well. Hap uh, had, you know, struggled a little bit, but obviously has come on with that power and his WRC plus has rise up, et cetera. But the key for this team is just those things on the margins, right? And keeping guys too long, maybe playing the wrong guys too often, et cetera, et cetera. And they've moved on from some things, right? You and I freaking out about Miles Masterboni leading off or getting too much playing time or things like that. And they've moved on from some of them, right? But others like Trey Mancini we saw on Sunday just kind of continue to persist. And when you are a 500 team and you are in what is right now about a four team race for a division, right? You, you can't do it. You, you can't allow those things to happen. And I think, you know, of course, Mancini drove in some runs today, but the the error at first base that could have gotten them out of that inning clearly derailed the game. I mean, that that was the momentum swinger. Uh, if you're listening to Pat Hughes, that was the turning point moment, Brendan. Oh, wow. And if you're going to be hovering around 500 and competing in a tight division, you have to clean that stuff up if you're Jed Hoyer. How do you clean it up, right? Like, That's a good course, question, yeah. You know, don't play him, don't play him. Of course, we can say that, but what are the alternatives? The alternative for Mervis is him struggling right now and trying to find some adjustments that work in Iowa. And even Mervis is dealing with injuries in Iowa, right? Cody Bellinger was ill. He was sick on Sunday. That supposedly is why he didn't start the game. Mancini's overall season, though, it is concerning. You see the concern from just a on-field performance perspective, but also long-term, you know, he's under contract for $7 million annual average value for this season, as well as next season. The Cubs do have a history of trying to squeeze out value from contracts they sign for multi- multiple years. They've, they've always tried to do this. So they're going to give him a longer leash just to get back some of the value that they hope they can get. With Mancini, man, it is really concerning. The hope is, of course, he turns it around and he shows offensive value, even as recent as last year when he had a WRC plus of 104. In the early going right now, everything is going in the wrong direction. And it's hard to see it uh, turning around unless something, as we've always talked about this season, drastically changes. Yeah. Going into tomorrow's game, or they have an off day tomorrow. I'm losing track. They're going to fly back from week, another continent, brother. I know. Uh, 
ridiculous international flights. True. But right now, he has a WRC plus of 87. And the underlying numbers do not look good. If you look at right. his max exit velocity, it's in the 50th percentile. Typically, he hangs out around the 80th percentile. 98% of batters by this time, at this point in the season, have reached their peak max exit velocity. So unless Trey Mancini is the outlier, which is possible, it's unlikely that he's going to continue to meet expectations that are higher. So that's the concern I have. I don't know. I don't know where you go if you want to give them a longer leash because of the contract. Personally, I'm always aggressive with this. It's like unfortunate, man. Like you're not producing. You are an older guy. I, I, I don't know what to do with you at this point. Sure. Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, it speaks to a larger problem that I've seen a friend of the podcast, Matt Clapp, at the blog finds talk about on his Twitter a lot that, you know, I think you said he was at an 87 WRC plus, yeah. I think, what, 104 last year. Uh, and I yeah. think the last calendar year is closer to that 87 than it is that Well, the second half when he got traded to Houston was a was terrible. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think what Matt has been talking about a lot is that that 87 WRC plus, first of all, if you have a guy that's playing first base and DHing, you're, you need more than that, right? You need yeah. more slug than that. You need more power than that. But the bigger issue is that the, that even a 104 WRC plus, he, he's still not going to be bringing that value because that's not telling the story of just, he doesn't look athletic out there, man. No. Like he, he, he's, he, the, the game is, is speeding up on him. He's, he's muffing easy plays. He doesn't look good on the bases. So even if he were providing that on offense, it's, it's going to get dragged down in those other areas because he's just not going to be providing anything Dude, in the they, field or on the bases. They put him in right field. It's crazy. Season. Yeah. How, I'm genuinely curious so, about the evaluation process. Yes. And and I don't want to spend this whole podcast talking about Trey Mancini because ultimately like he they have lessened his role. They need to lessen it further. Uh, but it, it's the bigger picture point that he illustrates, right? And I think sometimes, like, especially in a season like this, when we harp on certain players, I feel like some people may take that as like, we're just going at one player and it's all Trey Mancini's fault that the Cubs aren't in first place. And it's not, right? But as we've talked about so many times, today it was his fault. (laughs) But we've talked about this a lot that with, again, with a team like this, that is it's so tight, right? The the difference between them being above 500, below 500 is going to come down to so many little close games and simple plays that are made or not made because they're just not blowing teams out on a daily basis. Every, there's only so much you can fix about this team, right? And only so much you can change. We want Saya to be better. Of course, he's in a rough stretch. He's dealing with some injuries, but he's going to be your right fielder, right? We want we wanted Hap to show more power. He's doing that, but he's your left fielder, right? Like Dansby's playing short. Nico's playing second. They're trying right. to find where Christopher Morrell plays, but he's going to be in that lineup, right? There's Did only you? so many spots where we can say, Jed, this is the place you can fix. This is the thing that can get better. And I want to tie it all in now to what we heard on Friday, I believe, from the owner of the team. I know we saw our good friend, uh, Michael Collada in the chat. Calm down. I'm going to read a quote from Tom Ricketts. Try to remain calm. All right, it's a Sunday. Let's not, you know, raise our blood pressure, everybody. Uh, But Tom said, 
obviously we're buyers right now. Things can come off the rails, but I don't think they will. I think what we have is a core that that can compete for the division and compete for the playoffs, and now it's finding the missing parts to add to it. Now, right? Yeah. Just because he said that doesn't mean it's true, right? He has all kinds of reasons to say things like that, to get people to keep showing up to the ballpark until the trade deadline, and then he can go, well, Jed makes the decisions, right? So you can read this however you want, but it does square with, I think, how a lot of this, and yes, Niren's right. He did say this in London, like, you know, it was a big pep thing, but they're in this division race, and we have all talked about, as as a CHGO crew and everybody else on social media, what are they going to do with the deadline, right? Because they're, they're in this division, they've been playing better over these last few weeks. They've shown better. They're, they have themselves within striking distance of this division. What would they do? This doesn't mean they're going to buy, but I think this was a, a scenario that a lot of people considered, right? Can they just make some marginal moves to impo- improve certain areas of this team without going crazy, right? You and I talked about this last Sunday. Somebody asked, what do we think? Are they buying or selling? And my answer was, I think Either way, it's not going to be crazy significant, right? They're not going to sell off the whole team and they're not going to buy, you know, we're not going to see uh, Chapman or Quintana level trades from this team, I don't believe, right? But when you when we get it back to Mancini, right, that's one of those areas where it's like they need to improve this. If they are serious about staying in this division race and capitalizing in what has been a terrible division, Brendan, there are only a few areas of this team that you can really aggressively attack. And that is your first base DH situation, your third base situation potentially, and your bullpen. Those are the main areas right now where you are on certain days, they are really glaring issues for this team. Yeah, I. it depends what your definition uh, definition of buying is. Some people think, oh, they're going to go out and, you know, trade for Shohei Otani, which, of course, we all would love that. The way the Cubs are situated now, they are in a division race. Tom is looking at the revenue looking at where they've been in the past two years. It's no secret they've underperformed. It's no secret marquee network has been, from a ratings perspective, lower than expected. When the team loses, the the majority of the fans, not any of us here, not you and me doing this, they naturally lose interest. That's money lost. If you're listening to us, you're not one of those fans. But when the Cubs are losing, as they were a couple years ago, Marquis' numbers were down by about 30%. And think about yourself. Think about me. When the Cubs are in a bad stretch, I don't want anything to do with this team. Unfortunately, you and I have to stay tuned to the fine details, but it takes a lot of effort. I don't want to do it. So for the Cubs to to at least portray the image of competing, there is value to that. Does that mean they go out and make huge blockbuster trades? No, but if they're in the division competing, there is monetary value to that. I think that's what Ricketts is saying. And it is there like to, you know, to say, oh, they're only two games back, but they're under 500. Like you still have to go for it. Like it is 
an opportunity. Well, and it's also it a as, money opportunity. As we've all discussed, you know, what is the message that you send, right? You've already sold off at two straight deadlines. A lot of us were freaking out that they might do it a third time. What message does that send? I don't even right? I Where, think it's beyond message at this point. Like you're in a division race. You need no, to that, make that's, money. No, that's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> yeah. you need to make money, but it's also like if you're looking at things going, well, they're under 500. We don't think they're good enough. Like, we don't care that they're, you know, three and a half games back and one series, you know, sweep with the Brewers and you're literally in first place. We don't care. Like we're getting rid. Like that's, it's just, it's a bad, it's a horrible look. Doesn't mean that they have to go out and trade the farm for Shohei Otani, which they should. Uh, But again, tying it all back together with what we saw on Sunday, it's like, that's one of those areas where it's like, guys, this is, this is a signing you made, but he hasn't hit all season. He's looked bad at every position you've played him. You have to be more aggressive about this stuff. And this goes for so many. It's not just Trey Mancini. It goes for other things. We've seen this happen throughout the year, right? When people were freaking out earlier in the year that Fulmer didn't have it and they needed to stop putting him in higher leverage, right? They did. And he went on a really nice run, uh, I think up until today, where he had been pretty good uh, in in a lot of those outings. You look at things like, again, Mastroboni, Madrigal leading off when their numbers were really bad. Madrigal has started to hit better. I give him credit for that. But at the time, you're leading off guys with sub-600 OPSs. And again, and now it's Trey Mancini still playing and playing in the field. It, it's not going to work on a team that is this tight to the sort of 500 level. We talked about this coming into the year. There's all sorts of little things that are going to define this year, and the the team needs to be aggressive about them. I, again, to your point, this one isn't the easiest to solve, right? Because Cody Bellinger is, is still, I guess, not ready to be out in center field. Hopefully uh, soon. Mike Talkman has obviously done some really great things in center field, but, you know, is that a situation where you want him playing every day? Like, are you just going to ride that and, and hope he stays hot, et cetera? Uh, and Cody has not hit well for a while. He's almost down to a league average WRC+. plus. He's at a 104 WRC+, plus now. For the, so for that yeah. red-hot start that he was on, he has been pretty bad uh, leading up to his injury and since coming back. So it's not the clearest answer, right? But I think the the simple thing for me, Brendan, is do we have a way in the in the interim that that play gets made on Sunday and Stroman gets out of that inning, right? Still with that that healthy lead. And if you do, then that stuff can happen. And you figure yeah. out the offense later, right? But it's it's every little thing that you can control, I think they need to be aggressive and fix as we head toward this trade deadline. Yeah, the the intention for first base to be solved was always there. Like Eric Hosmer, Trey Mancini, having Matt Mervis develop. You can argue about like the uh, decision to do that, and I hate that decision. By the way, I think you and I both don't like the lack of aggressiveness to solve that issue. But they tried to go out and do that, and it has not worked. And so to say, oh, we expected this, you know, and everything. Of course not, right? Like, I don't think the front office expected Trey Mancini to continue that reversion. Uh, it's not even like regression. It's like legit reversion. Um, that was unexpected. So they have to go out and try to find solutions, especially in the context of Matt Mervis's yeah. development. It's going to be challenging, man, but they, 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 
they have an opportunity there and it, it is right in front of them to do it. Yeah. So want to jump to our first sponsor break here, but I, I do like the comment uh, from Matthew that's on our, our YouTube channel now. Shows lack of planning to be left with Mancini at first when they constructed this team with defense in mind. And I think, again, that goes back to your point, Brendan, about, you know, when Saya was out, the guys they had in right field and some of the mishaps out there moving multiple guys to try and play Master right Boney, field. Trey Master Boney, Trey Mancini, Patrick Wisdom. Wisdom. Yeah. You just want to do the whole podcast in sync. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. <laughs> um, but but it but it is true, right? Like this team was built to play really good defense. That was how they were going to win these tight games is by just killing it with the middle infield defense, Bellinger in center field, and just scooping up outs. And some of this roster has just not been optimized to live up to that kind of ideal, especially when guys are hurt or not able to play certain positions. They they didn't have a particularly solid backup plan at a lot of these positions, not, not for offense specifically, but just to say, we're just going to keep getting outs. And if Justin Steele and Marcus Stroman are getting ground balls, those are going to be outs. The backups at some of these positions have not been able to kind of keep up with even that just simple portion of the game. And I think they have to figure that out uh, yeah. sooner rather than later. But when we, uh, after we talk about the our sponsors, I do want to get into uh, just how good Justin Steele was on Saturday. Okay. All right, first break here from our first sponsor, Pins and Aces. Pins and Aces is the official golf apparel partner of All City and CHGO. I love our Pins and Aces. We love our Pins and Aces gear and get tons of compliments on and off the golf course. They are a family-owned golf and apparel business. They make amazing polos, hats, golf bags, and even our favorite beer sleeve, an innovative product that allows you to store seven beers right inside your golf bag and keep drinks cold the entire round. Check out pinsandaces.com. Use code CHGO to receive 15% off your first order and get free shipping. That's pinsandaces.com. Second break here from our sponsor, Game Time. Game Time is the last is the is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. These early mornings, Corey, doing these ad reads. This is new territory for me. I'm fumbling all over this, just like Trey Mancini. Uh, Game Time guarantees. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, use code CHGO for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code CHGO for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right. So, yeah. And, you know, again, Brendan, it kind of continues like the tone of, of these conversations kind of always very weird, right? This, te- this is a weird team to cover so far uh, this year. Cover, right? Like I'm a, a journalist. Yeah. Well, what, you have um, a pen in your hand right there. <laughs> no, stroking I have very you know, serious you. notes yeah. that get written down. What's on that notepad? This show. I can't show you. It's proprietary. D- dumb metrics. I just write <laughs> just down dumb prop. metrics. Um, just a prop. Um, but, you know, because like it was a good week, Brendan. And like yesterday was a lot of fun. Like we were getting a lot of, you know, seeing a lot of of pictures um, from folks over in London. 
uh, you know, our, our good friend of CHGO, Rachel, over there with the UK Cubs holding it down. Uh, our friend Evan Altman was over there in London enjoying those games. So it was good to see everybody enjoying. Bill Murray was there. Dexter Fowler, you know, leading a, a Cubs home run derby activity, stuff like that. He was can in a Cubs play, uniform. Can, can he like, play first base? <laughs> he could probably do it. Dex in center, Cody at first Ooh, base the rest of the year. Nyer Talkman really DH, Morell third. I don't All know. Right. I don't know. All right. Um, but it was a good week, and and you know, so it just stinks that that they they always do this to us on Sundays, right? That they they drop the finale. It's frustrating. We come in the chat, and a lot of people talking about Trey Mancini and like the defense, and you know, how do we fix this, et cetera, et cetera. Um, just a, a weird kind of 180 for the the two days. Ian Happ with a huge day on Saturday. Go Cubs go playing at a stadium in London uh, across the world with 50,000 people. I mean, it was cool. Uh, and, you know, but ultimately, like, that's kind of the, I feel like the state of things with a team that's so close to 500, Brendan, and, and in a tight division that you can't really just sit back and enjoy stuff, right? Like, we think back to 2016, which is on the pennant behind you from the, the, the Cubs went on to win the World Series in that World season. Series. World yes. Series, correct, yes. It's hard to point with the mirror. I know it is. It's the um, But, like, that, so much of that season was kind of just like, put your feet up, relax. Like, you know, Rizzo and the boys are going to win 100-something games. There are 1,000 oh, games in Rizzo first place. Rizzo on this team, Corey. Rizzo on this Don't team. Don't even get me started. He's uh, been in the slump, too, though. You know, so, um, but it's just different because every little thing matters and gets scrutinized, every little loss. And the Sunday, especially, you felt 4 0 with Stroman on the mound. That's got to be a W, and it's not. So it kind of turns everybody immediately back into like, yeah, Saturday was a lot of fun, but next day, right? Every every day counts, every day matters. But I I do want to go back to Saturday and just uh, note just how good Justin Steele was because that was a huge performance um, and very cool to see him do it on kind of a a bigger stage. He picks up his eighth win of the year, six innings, five hits, one earned run, one walk, and eight strikeouts. He's got a 2.62 ERA on the season and a 2.83 FIP, right? If you're looking at some of those guys that have, you know, ERA FIP discrepancies that are, are pretty big. Justin Steele is not one of them. Uh, yeah. He has been this damn good, and the results that he's getting are are very well deserved. He made one comment post game that caught my attention. I was thinking about Steele the last few weeks, and you see the walk rate of just two batters per nine innings. That's awesome. That's like one of the best walk rates in Major League Baseball. That's an improvement from his years past when he was around four batters per nine innings. Then I started thinking, man, I, you know how I am. I wish we had more strikeouts, right? And then he started talking about when he got into trouble in the sixth inning, it was time to get punch outs. That's what he said. Then he got punch outs. And so I'm wondering, as we continue to watch Justin develop, if and he's not. He's not a finished product, but if the strikeouts will start to come about. His whiff rate right now is actually below league average, which is fine. The intention is to hammer the strike zone, as you see Alzali do. But it is below league average. And I do wonder at times, as he continues to learn about what makes him successful, that we even saw dating back to last season in June when he started going down and in with fastballs and sliders. I wonder if this is not the final version of Justin Steele. We get, I get sometimes lost in the current moment of what these guys look like. And you do forget 
Steele has not gone through a full season full season 25 plus starts inching 175 plus innings yet he's still developing still learning his game and so when he said again just to emphasize on this it was time to get punch outs i do wonder as the season progresses if we might start seeing more strikeouts if he might start using this stuff to get more whiffs yeah, I, dude, I, I love him, man. Like, I, I love that quote. Um, you know how I feel about left-handers, uh, yeah. you know, especially that have a little bit of a southern twang to them, right? I mean, John Lester's from Washington, but still. Um, I just love the attitude. I love that quote about the strikeouts, and it's it's just been a pleasure to watch him go on this run. Obviously, really thrilling that he was able to come back from that that stint on the IL and you know really be no worse for wear and just yeah. get back out there and and look like that same guy that he was. I was uh, worried about that. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, I was worried about Stroman on Sunday. He's flicking his wrist. And I mean, it was until we got the, hey, it's a blister. And you could kind of see that. It was like, okay. I'll I'm worried calm, about everyone. I'll calm down. Like, yeah, man. Uh, but Anytime right now. I see any pitcher move his shoulder, I'm having a panic attack. Yeah. Right now, Justin Steele, if you're looking at wins above replacement uh, for pitchers, he is eighth in all of baseball. And he has... Uh, at least, you know, a, a decent handful of innings less than most of those guys because he was on the injured list. Uh, Marcus Stroman actually coming at number 11. So just huge seasons for the two of them. Uh, but it was a huge outing for Justin Steele on Saturday. And it continues to be one of the things that is is really keeping this team in the race. Brendan, we have talked so much. Uh, yeah, that we have the quote from uh, Captain Tater Tot uh on youtube it's a great a name. name um it was time to puff my chest out and he and he says when justin seal said that i was like he's a dog and yeah i i i love quotes like that um from pitchers just like i'm about to take care of business right like i i just love it we also got uh concerts over the weekend at wrigley field john lester you know kind of stormed into david ross's office and was in there with i think john lackey and and some other guys but i missed uh, that is that true yeah well, what am I lying about John Lester? Sometimes, I mean, sometimes I don't know. I don't know. Um, similar to Dex, right? Like, John, you were in the clubhouse. If you wanted to throw on the uniform, spot start, maybe. I mean, I don't D know. DH, right? perhaps, with that swing. Hey, now. You know? Now we're cooking with gas. Yeah. They need lefty power. They need lefty power. <laughs> Tucker Barnhart's not doing it, man. <laughs> Do you think John Lester could end up with more barrels? than Nick Madrigal if he started DHing right now? That's actually a good question, Corey. I wonder how many barrels John Lester had as a Cub. You can look that up post-show. post, post show. It seems like something I would know. But yeah. anyway, um, yeah, I, 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 lo I love <laughs> Justin Steele. Yeah, we're talking about uh, left-handers, left-handed pitchers. Um, yeah. Just a huge effort. And and what I was getting to is that it, it continues to be, we've had some concerns about different areas of this team at times, right? The offense has been inconsistent. Certain parts of the lineup have yeah. been inconsistent, especially even for as good as the good portions of the offense has, has been. Other than Morrell at this point, you don't have anybody that has been like that consistent, like upper, upper tier level of offensive production, even if a lot of them have been above league average and good, right? Uh, Morell is that one that's been on a stretch that's just like elite level, and he hasn't even been up the whole season and obviously still has to sustain it. The starting pitching, though, has been the hallmark of this team and, and has 
gotten them to this point. And I think that's why so much of the conversation turns to this guy can't hit or why is this guy on the team or, you know, who's playing defense, et cetera, because the starting pitching in general has been really, really good and good enough for this team to win games. And the other areas are where they really need to clean it up. When the season started, the projections for the starting pitching were awful. Drew Smiley, Justin Steele, Kyle Hendricks, Hayden Wisniewski, all really bad projections. That's one of the driving reasons why, by many systems, they were only projected as an upper 70 win team. And they may end up still being there. But for me going into the season, I was concerned about starting pitching as well. That was my biggest concern because you didn't have the track record nor the reliability, despite the encouraging signs. And you could see it working out in the positive, but there's still a sense of volatility I was not comfortable with. If you were to tell me back then that by this point, the rotation would be this secure and pitching this well, I would think we're 10 games above 500 and we're not. And the run differential and the Pythag record right now reflect that. Their Pythag record is seven wins better actually nine wins better right now than their actual record. They should be seven games above 500 if you want to buy into all of the lack of sequencing and all that stuff, right? So it points to the successes that the Cubs have had, but also their inability to capitalize on the margins, looking at the Master Boney decisions and their early season Nick Madrigal decisions and Eric Hosmer and Trey Mancini, some of the bullpen uh, uh mishaps at times and that's the frustrating part i imagine though if the rotation continues to do this well even if the the bats look like this going forward it should it should be enough for this division is it going to make me confident and inspire confidence no but with this division being so bad and this rotation looking so good it you should be enough. Yeah. You have to think so. Yeah, and I mean, again, I mean, that that last part that you're saying sort of highlights the situation that they're in. Um, you know, again, friend of the show, Michael Collada, saying in a good division, this team would be 15 games out of first. They're not in a good division, though, brother. You know what I mean? I, I agree with you, right? And, like, that's, that's kind of what I mean, like the weird sort of kind of two tales that you kind of have to discuss with this team. And I think Jed Hoyer mentioned this himself in one of those radio hits, like you have to balance, like, how do we feel about the team in a vacuum, right? Is this a good team? Are they playing good baseball on a daily basis? And where are they in the standings? Those two things don't have to be kind of harmonious with one another, right? Like you can try to win a division and at the same time think, eh, this team might be, you know, kind of mediocre, right? That's fine, right? But like the division is the division. You're trying to win the division. So that's also why so much of the conversation gets towards, okay, well, how do we creep over mediocre? What can we be doing to get over that hump and and get to that place? So it's, yeah, it's a a tough spot that the Cubs find themselves in. And I I do want to talk about some of these hitters as well. Um, when we get back from our next ad break, because yeah. it's it's interesting, right? And especially it does pair with the first base situation. Some of these guys are struggling, Brendan. Yeah. Um, some are are you know showing better, and and the numbers are creeping up. But there's there's some struggles going on on this team for sure. Uh, I do want to kind of finish, f- excuse me, finish off uh, the thoughts on the starters though, and just remind uh, if you were looking at only starting pitcher ERA, the Cubs are number one in the National League. 
they're number five in baseball behind Tampa, Texas, Houston, and Minnesota. Uh, but in the National League, the lowest ERA by starting pitchers, the Chicago Cubs. Yeah. So as far as facets of the game are concerned, obviously the bullpen has been a work in progress. It continues to be a work in progress, but the Cubs are getting really good starting pitching. And that's with Jamison Tyone hopefully trending upward, right? Like and being better than he was certainly at the beginning of the year. Uh, but the starters have been really good. And and that means that generally you're going to be playing a lot of winnable Games. So the question for Jed in this front office, if they want to stay in this division race, and for David Ross managing on a daily basis, is how do I capitalize yeah. on these starts? Our starters are going out there and they're, you know, they're gamers, right? Like they're keeping this team in the game. They are pitching winnable games for the most part. How do we how do we win those games? How do we find ourselves flying the W and singing Go Cubs Go after these great starts by these guys? Yeah, I saw one comment about Jared Young and Jonathan Perlaza. We'll, we'll touch on that after this ad break. There might be options, but we'll, we'll touch on that. I don't want that to, to go away. It's been brought up a few times in this show. Yeah, Jonathan Perlaza as well. Yeah. Like some, just some really strong we'll, performances. Yeah, down there. We'll touch on that. So break here. Gotta from get our Greg sponsor. back on the phone. <laughs> yeah. Break here from our sponsor, Goose Island. CHGO is supported by Goose Island Beer Company. Chicago's beer since 1988. They have a deep beer roster. They have the Goose IPA. It's actually a six-time medal winner at the Great American Beer Fest. It's always in style. It has a citrus aroma, a bold hop finish, a good summer beer. Also, a tropical beer hug, a dry-hopped imperial IPA, 9.9% alcohol, which is dangerously easy to drink. I may have a few of those after we finish the show. Don't, don't put that one in your beer bag. Yeah, um, well, you know what? Maybe or maybe do. Yeah, maybe you have to. You know, it depends how good of a win that is. Uh, we have the three one two wheat ale, my favorite. We have Cody's new favorite. I don't even know if it's a new favorite anymore. Uh, he still is not giving me credit for telling him to drink this beer. One day he will. It's a full pocket pilsner. It's an everyday beer. So what the brewers are drinking, not the Milwaukee brewers, but the actual like beer brewers. Uh, Although the brewers, maybe they should start drinking this because it's so good. Uh, so Cody uses that to chug all of his beers when they do win. You can grab an ultra-fresh brewery-exclusive beer at Goose Island's Original Brew House on Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln Park or from their tap room on Fulton Street in Westtown, Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's Beer. I always have a difficult time saying brewer brewery i don't know why i just like it's just how i am it's not like an important team name anyway so it's not a big deal but i always have a problem saying that uh second break here from our sponsor shady rays take on the sun with gear built to last our friends at shady rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price shady rays is an independent sunglass company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair that we've worn they have durable frames extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures that's not all shady rays has the most insane protection program in all of eyewear every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements if you lose or break your pair on day one they told us they will send you a brand new pair no questions asked wear shady rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase and together with their customers shady rays is providing much needed support to nonprofit partners across the country through shady rays impact from building playsets for pediatric cancer patients to providing young adults with ms the outdoor adventure of a lifetime shady rays is making an impact in your community and others like it 
for years to come. If you don't love your Shady Rays, you can also exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within a month. There's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back. And right now, Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com. Use code CHGO for 50% off two-plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself. The Shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people, Corey. All right. So to summarize that, uh, Goose Island Brewers, good. Good. Milwaukee Brewers, bad. Bad. Yeah. Very simple, little nice yeah. binary system for you. Um, so let's talk. Uh, I do want to do some updates first over the weekend. Obviously, the Cubs off on uh, Thursday and Friday. There's you know certainly some stuff to definitely pay attention to, uh, and it's bad news. Uh, Cody Hoyer suffered a uh, an injury. Uh, that was in his elbow. It's an elbow fracture. Uh, didn't look good in the video on the mound. Uh, looked to be in a lot of pain. Uh, so that is obviously going to keep him out for some time, certainly, I think, the rest of this year, uh, possibly longer than that. And Brandon Hughes uh, also had to get surgery on the knee that had kind of had him on and off of the injured list. Uh, and obviously, that will uh, take him out for the season. So uh, as far as some of those, you know, ways to improve the bullpen, Brendan, uh, unfortunately, a couple of those avenues uh, no longer going to be there. And you have to feel for those guys, for sure, Cody Hoyer, uh, working his way back from Tommy John and, you know, getting back there. The velo looked good. We were getting those reports from guys like Alex Cohen uh, with the Iowa Cubs every night. And uh, unfortunately, uh, a pretty big setback there. So uh, that is a bummer. Yeah, I was I was starting to grow excited about Cody Hoyer just because we need a back end staple. He has the velocity. He was showing some pitch developments, a, a new slider cutter esque pitch he was showcasing, and then of course the next day he you know fractures his elbow. It's it's it sucks, man. And we've been following his development back from injury. Uh, we've, we've seen him on the backfields from our friend Rich Beisterfeld's photos. He's a gamer. Uh, it's a big setback. I, I just feel bad for him. I hope that it's not so demoralizing. It can just over time, after like the the, the brief morning phase, get back at it. But it sucks. And then, yeah, Brandon Hughes. Uh, you know, ever since he had that knee injury, it was low expectations. I, the the pitching with the knee brace on never sat right for me. So it's not surprising that he's getting this knee surgery. But from the bigger picture, this team needs bullpen help can't rely on those two yeah right now it seems like a trade is inevitable unless you want to go through and hopefully stay on this trajectory of michael fulmer's developments outside of today the last month has been a lot better different pitch sequencing changes he's made but it's not going to be enough you need like a confident back end of the guy right now and for like alzali and merriweather and latter they've been great but in the back of my mind, I always think, is this going to continue? Stuff always changes. And those guys don't have that established track record yet, although they've been awesome. Alzali has been awesome. Meriwether has been awesome. But do you want some reliability? And is that someone in the form of like <laughs> doing this again, like overall this Chapman from Kansas City, like one of those big time relievers on the market right now? So it will be interesting to follow. But overall, I think where this team is at, 
I'm confident about some of the arms they're developing, but right now that confidence is not in the immediate future in the next month. I do think at this point, I have to go outside the organization. Yeah. So uh, again, did just want to update on that to make sure that that's all on y'all's radar. Uh, but let's talk a little offense, Brendan. Uh, you know, again, obviously the London series this weekend sort of um, highlighting what we are talking about and, and certainly what everybody's talking about as it relates to the Cubs. But it was also a really nice week for the Cubs, uh, finishing off that sweep in Pittsburgh, an 8 to nothing win, a 4 to nothing win, and then an 8 to 3 win. So some really nice offensive performances from the team in that series uh, and, of course, as well on Saturday. And a huge contributor to that was one Ian Happ. Uh, did you know he was from Pittsburgh? No, I had no idea. Uh, and me neither. They never mentioned that or that he went to Cincinnati. But uh, yeah, from Pittsburgh. So little trivia oh. for you on Sunday. Uh, last 15 games for Ian Happ, a 259 average, 375 on base, 556 slugging, three homers and 14 RBIs in that time. Overall, now on the season, Ian Happ is up to a 127 WRC plus, a 361 weighted on base average. 267 batting average, 391 on base, and a 429 slug. Still just the seven homers, but obviously a two homer performance on Saturday was very nice to see. just nice to see him kind of breaking out a little bit. He had had a little bit of a, a slump there, and the Cubs need that slug, man. So he certainly delivered that on Saturday, had a really nice week, uh, including that series in Pittsburgh, and just really nice to see Ian Happ uh, kind of picking up some of the slack on, on this offense. And we'll, we'll talk about some of the guys that are struggling in a second here and just kind of the bigger picture of the offense. But Ian Happ, uh, you know, again, looks really good. And it was a point that I think uh, another friend of the show, uh, Michael Cerami, made on his Twitter. Uh, I feel like we're name dropping a lot today. You know, Brendan and I know a lot of people. So, that, you know, <laughs> are the under notepad over there? All the names? Yeah. <laughs> people we call friends. Oh, there is stuff um, on my notepad. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, but, uh, Michael was talking about how uh, Brendan Davis also suffering uh, some setbacks. He had to have another surgery. Again, you know, just speaking of just absolute bummers, uh, Brendan is an extremely nice guy. Um, you and I had the the opportunity to talk to him a few years ago. Very gracious yeah. uh, to us and everything we've heard about him and, and just a, a really terrible sort of, um, you know, kind of line that his career has gone on and hopefully he can work back from. But to Michael's point, it was like, you know, this is kind of why you extend someone like Ian Happ, who some people were wishy-washy on extending, just given how his career had played out in terms of those early year inconsistencies that we saw from Happ. But you have a, a stable, solid outfielder who just won a gold glove and has really come around with a steady bat. And that's why you extend someone like that. And it goes to kind of the discussion we just had in the bullpen as well. Like sometimes you cannot rely on a new wave to just come up and replace the guys you already have. And it's good to yeah. lock guys down when they are solid. And and what we saw, especially after the big game on Saturday, you look at Ian Happ's overall performance this season, and it's solid. It's very solid. I'm not surprised the power starting to come out. when you When I was looking at some of his peripherals, it did suggest that a hot streak was inevitable and looming. And those peripherals are, number one, his contact rate. Number two, his chase rate. 
his strikeout rate is actually worse than league average, around 25%. The league average strikeout rate is 23%. The league average contact rate is around uh, 76%. Ian Happ is almost 79%. So those misaligned. And I think that speaks to Ian Happ's patience at the dish. Chase rate, career best at this pace right now at 22%. He's around 27% league average. So he's making more contact. He's uh, swinging at more hittable pitches, not swinging at pitches outside the zone. And the overall exit velo, the capacity to hit the ball hard has always been there. That to me signals this type of offensive stretch was going to happen at some point. It also signals why I think Dansby is also due for that as well, because you're seeing some of the same things with Dansby, where the chase rate's better, the overall ability to make more contact is up, and you see the adjustments in progress. The season's long. I wouldn't be surprised if Dansby starts going off on a power streak as well, especially as the summer heats up, and he just hit a home run in London opposite field as well. So that's encouraging to see. And those are the types of hitters, Corey, those like... I mean, I love Ian Happ's approach. I love like those hitters who don't swing at bad pitches, make tons of contact, and they hit the ball hard. Like those are the ideal guys I want on this team. Which goes to now some of the AAA guys that have been brought up: Jared Young, Jonathan Perlaza. Throwing Matt Mervis to the discussion as well. Those are the three guys that can be immediate impact bats. Now, what is the likelihood they can do that? Jared Young has been awesome this year in AAA. His exit velo is in the 95th percentile of AAA. One of the limitations of Jared Young is that we're talking about contact rate. His limitation is that his contact rate is 75%. That's fine if he can sustain that at the big league level. It's very difficult to do that. That's the thing. So I imagine once he gets called up over time, you're going to see that contact rate go down. And then the question is, can he sustain that exit velo, the hard hit contact in the big leagues? Also very hard to do. Then you go to Jonathan Perlaza and the question is, wow, can he also replicate these numbers at the big league level? His contact rate in AAA is 66%. That's below right now Christopher Morell's contact rate at the big league level. So then the question is, man, if he's whipping this much against velocity that's much lower in AAA, what is the likelihood that he can succeed at the big league level right away? Seems like a big risk, right? It can happen, but do you want to rely on that? No. So he doesn't really seem to me like an obvious immediate solution, although you can capitalize on some early going hot streaks before the league adjusts. Then it brings me to Matt Mervis. The reason why a lot of people are, are uh, excited about him is because his contact rate is above average, around almost 80%, and he hits the ball hard. With Mervis, that Ian Happ shows that Mervis is not, is just the ability to lay off bad pitches, to not chase at bad pitches. That's been Mervis's problem, and one of the reasons why he wasn't able to capitalize on some of his underlying good exit velo and, and bat speed. That puts into context, especially why extending Ian Happ seems to be such a good idea because those hitters who have those three traits are very difficult to find, especially ones that play good defense. Yeah. And, you know, it also uh, was something that I, you know, was thinking about because I think the two of them got compared from time to time. And, uh, you know, 
especially free agent situations and contracts being, you know, somewhat similar uh, in, a, in a kind of range. Uh, you know, just worth noting on the other side of town, Andrew Benintendi has Not a 98 good. WRC plus, yeah. right? So, and I just say that because if the Cubs didn't extend Hap, you know, that type of person is maybe who they, you know, are looking at in free agency and Hap's the better player right? Like yeah. there's no question about that. So again, sometimes it's just nice to, you got a, a solid baseball player, right? Yeah. They don't all have to be the, the, you know, Mike Trout's of the world. Ian Happ's really good. It, just ex- to be honest with you, it, Corey, you extended him, keep him. It's very nice. I'm like, I'm surprised he's turned out to be this good. Like surprise maybe is a strong word, but the development was been, it was really weird for Ian Happ over the yeah. years. Like we covered him from the time he debuted, right? And he always went through these weird valleys of like hyper aggression to ultra uh, patience to not mashing that with the power. And there was a point, a time where I'm like, you know what? I don't want to deal with this anymore. Like I, just, I want, I want stability. And to the front office's credit, I will give him credit for this one. They, they waited it out. They gave him a consistent opportunity in left field, and he took the yeah. most of that opportunity. Well, and I, to Ian's credit as well, yeah, you know, well, being playing, being credit. asked, yeah, to play multiple positions that you know, kind of last minute send down before the season in in twenty seventeen, like not yeah. really twenty seventeen, right? Like twenty eighteen, I think. I'm losing track. That's all a blur, uh, bro. I don't know. Um, it doesn't matter. Twenty eighteen, I think you're right. I don't it know. Who cares? Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Cubs won the World Series in 2016. I know That's that. Great. How about yes. that? I remember yeah. dates. Yeah. Um, anyway, getting off the rails here. Again, just a really nice stretch for Ian Happ, and the team needs it, right? Like, they need somebody to kind of be, like, pacing this offense uh, other than Christopher Burrell. <laughs> um, but I, I do want to—so, one, uh, because I'm a man of integrity, uh, I do want to give—again, uh, we, we credited Nick Madrigal for the barrel— uh, and I, I do want to point out that he's had a nice, you know, 15-ish game stretch, which is what it is, right? It's 40 at-bats, so it doesn't exactly erase the stuff that's been bad, uh, but he's been better, uh, 275, 396, 350 in those last 40 games. Uh, again, I, I give him credit for the work he did at third base. I will say, though, there are still plays, though, and it's happened a few times over the last couple weeks, where, like, he's literally just too short to make the play. Um, so, uh, again, like, I, I, I don't, I, and I really never have minded Madrigal as a potential bottom of the order, like, contact bat. I've said many times that there's a place for that, uh, especially if he can continue in this groove that he's on, but he's still not someone you want at third base, right? He's not, he's been a fine defender over there, but he's not a great defender or even like good. I don't know. He's, he's fine. Right. Uh, for a position that's not his natural position. Again, I give him credit for that, but he's still there. There's no slug, right? We're literally jokingly celebrating that he barreled the ball for the first time in two calendar, you know, two calendar years, right? Like it, it's not good enough for third base. It's, it's not the right position on this team. Uh, and again, there are a couple balls where it's like, well, he's literally just not tall enough to get that, but that should probably be an out like for a normal sized third baseman, um, who could maybe hit a home run every now and again. Um, so I don't know. That's a that roundabout. Was the biggest backhand compliment I've ever heard in my yeah. entire life. <laughs> I mean, again, like I, I think the way he's played recently, again, I've always said this, has a place 
on the Cubs and on a competitive baseball team, right? A guy that can make contact, come up in those situations. Uh, he's been getting hit by a ton of pitches for some reason, which I, is really weird to me. But like, he's been better over this last you know few weeks stretch. But at third base on a team that doesn't have a ton of just like true sluggers, it's it's a tough it's a tough sell, right? Yeah. Like you need somebody that is slugging and playing really good defense at third base. And, you know, that's just not what he is on a day-to-day basis, even if he's been better. Now, the bigger issue though, right, with this offense currently is some of the guys that are just in pretty deep slumps. Um, again, we we still, you know, we see Tucker Barnhart out there uh, y'all know my feeling on that. He's in a year-long race to see if he can outdo John Lester's offensive numbers in 2019, which, for as much as I love John, not really what you want for a guy that's actually penciled into the lineup a couple times a week. So I'm still not super thrilled with that situation. Uh, but sort of the the bigger thing that, you know, maybe, and, you know, obviously we're running long here, but Cody Bellinger uh, has been not good for a, a decent stretch here. If you look at his 30 game numbers, last 111 at bats, a 225 average with a 294 on base and a 414 slug. If you go then to his last 15 games, 54 at bats, 167 average, 230 on base and a 204 slug. That is uh, really bad, Brendan. That is a 434 OPS in the last 15 games. Now, he's obviously been dealing with injuries, but he was struggling before going on the injured list, and he has come back and not really looked particularly better. So for a guy when he was out, we were all kind of like, boy, they need that thump back in the lineup. They need his defense back in center field. We're not sure when we're going to get that defense in center field. And the bat has not looked good for uh, a decent stretch here. Then you also pair that with, say, a Suzuki, who again, also dealing with some injuries. The injuries are not to be ignored that these guys are dealing with. Uh, but his last 15 games, he's got an OPS that's just above uh, 600, 230 average. His last seven games have been worse. Um those are your middle of the order guys. So it's it's I think for the offense right now finding consistency. Um, and you, you're going to start needing better production from a lot of these middle of the order hitters. And David Ross has done, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I've had some complaints about leadoff hitters and certain guys getting too much playing time, but I feel him trying to get that kind of like top and middle of the order right. Like we saw Christopher Morrell hitting third some, we've seen Talkman leading off, we've seen Horner leading off a little bit. Hap, Saya, Bellinger moving all over the place. Dansby moving all over the place. Like he is trying to find some consistency that leads to a solid set of run production. But you just have a lot of guys, Brendan, that are literally kind of going like this on the full scale of the season. They're hot, then they're terrible, then they're hot again, and then they're terrible. Yeah. It's it's a tough position for uh, Ross and I think this team. Yeah, ideally, Saya doesn't go on these roller coasters that we're seeing. The bulk sum is fine, right? But when he goes on these extreme stretches and perhaps the injuries are involved at this point, it it kind of, uh, it leaves me on edge. And you see some of the possibilities of the trade deadline, Jaime Condelario, for example, 
he's not your power guy. He's like he's fine. He's league average, you know. He has good contacts, kind of aggressive. Power is like middle tier, slightly below league average. This season, 340 weight on base average. Prior season, below 300. Like overall, he's probably fine, right? But then the question is, okay, Patrick Wisdom comes back hopefully before the trade deadline. If he looks good, if Nick Madrigal continues to play passable defense and at least put up close to league average offense as he's doing, maybe there's a world in a crazy scenario that giving up mid-tier prospects for Condelario doesn't make sense. You want to give up those prospects for bullpen help or you just want to do it all, right? Like this not like Condelario to me is not an obvious uh, get at this point. Although right now in this current moment, I would say he objectively makes a team much better. But in six weeks from now, is that the case? I could see it not being the case. And regardless, it's not enough. You need more power. Where you get that, I'm not quite sure. So that's the the weird, tricky part at this point. But I see a lot of like Condelario ideas and I like it. I just, I just don't think it's quite enough yet. Yeah. So again, like Cody Bellinger looked so good to start the year. You know, we focused a lot on his contact numbers, his strikeout numbers, and he's, he's dealing with an injury. Like a knee injury is tough, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, like that's still, we saw with Brandon Hughes, like what is the consequence of that injury long-term? Like a bone bruise, I don't know what the hell that even means or whatever, but like, Man, if that's going to be a thing for the rest of the year, that's going to put a huge damper sure. in the lineup, man. Yeah, I, I do I do want to note, um, you know, kind of I'll, I'll take the role of Cody here. Uh, it, it does appear we have uh, a Cardinals fan in our live YouTube chat, if you're watching live on YouTube. Hello. Uh, Mr. Nitro071. Welcome. Uh, we appreciate the view count that you're providing. Uh, it, it is interesting to me, Brendan. Uh, I personally would have a hard time going on to YouTube streams of teams that I don't like, even after beating them, uh, if I were nine games out of first place and one of the worst teams in the National League. But different strokes for different folks, Your right? Your jerseys I, suck too, by the way. I, I appreciate professional baseball. I appreciate uh, Mr. Nitro it's coming like the McDonald's out. logo out there. Coming out of the basement of the NL Cellar to tell us that the Cubs suck. Uh, they're better than y'all right now, so... Yeah. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. And they've won a World Series uh, more recently. Yeah. So a lot of interesting flexes, but, you know, um, whatever. So, yeah. again, and with Seiya, he, he had the, you know, the oblique injury to start the year, and him and David Ross have been very coy about, um, you know, whether or not he's still dealing with something, right? They, they literally will not tell us uh, kind of exactly what he's been dealing with, right? So I don't know. Um, it's it's a tough position to find yourself in because again, like you are going to need more consistency from this lineup. That that's that's the long and short of it. Like when we're talking about uh, Trey Mancini and some of these other things, even if they're buyers at the deadline, as we talked about, I don't expect them to go out like I. They're not going to get Matt Chapman, right? They're not going to get someone that they just plug in this lineup who, oh boy, we found an all-star and we found the best hitter on our team, right? And now we're just going to, I don't think it's going to, you know, it's not going to be like that. It's going to be marginal kind of upgrades so that you just get better performance at some of these positions. So ultimately, Jed needs to do that. 
They needed yeah. to do it months ago. They should have been better prepared coming into the season, et cetera, et cetera. But beyond that, you need more consistency from some of these guys. If guys are dealing with injuries, it happens, right? Yeah. But this stretch, right, for as good of an offensive week as they had overall, they scored eight or nine runs in most of the games they played this week, right? But they they need that those top five or six guys to be consistent and performing because if they are not, there's not going to be an answer out there that is, and it, it's to your point with Candelario, he would make the team better, he's been a good player, but you can't rely on him to outweigh if Bellinger and Suzuki or, you know, and the other guys have gone in their slums too, continue to be such a roller coaster ride. Those guys have to carry the team. There's no other way around it. Yeah, we always knew this was the case. Is, is this surprising to you, Corey? No. Like, even when we signed Dansby, we knew, hey, this team needs more power. This, de- this team needs more consistency in the middle of the order. So th- this is not surprising whatsoever. Despite not having that, though, it's still possible it's enough to win this terrible division sure and that's that's the we that is the weird thing to reconcile is do you want to go out and make a big splash and get a big power hitter and do you think that's enough in a short playoff series in a five game series seven game series uh, to go throughout the playoffs with a good starting rotation to justify giving up prospects that's going to be an interesting conversation to have I don't know where I'm at with that. I do think there's still there's still time to learn about this lineup. And I look at Ian Happ's recent power surge, and I see Dansby Swanson's plate discipline, and I, and I I can see the offense looking different and the tone changing within four weeks. I don't think that changes the long term tone of the season, but sure. I do think like if you get Dansby's power back up, if Ian Happ's power gets put back up to where it was last year, I do think that can offset what we've seen with Seiya's uh, uh, injury struggles and, and Bellinger's injury struggles. I do think it still could be enough to win this division regardless of getting that bat. It's just we should not be in a situation. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course. And I know uh, our guy, Ryan Herrera, who covers the Cubs for allchgo.com, is, uh, you know, sitting here and saying, Madrigal got that first barrel out of the way. He's going to provide the power, right? Yeah. Like now it's good. The Him floodgates Nico, are open. That third right? and fourth. Yeah. So look, I, we'll wrap up here because uh, we want to let our wonderful producer, Stephen, get about his Sunday. Uh, I want to get about my Brendan's Sunday. very tired. Yeah, you had to get up early for this that game in London. Um, it's an interesting team, right? Like they are far from perfect. There are some holes to fix if they can and, you know, things you want to see get better. Uh, but they're, you know, they're not a juggernaut of a team. I don't think they're going to turn into one, but there's a lot to like about this team. They've gotten some really strong starting pitching performance. Uh, you know, they have some really strong offensive performances, some guys looking really good, some potential there for guys to get better. Uh, and they're in the mix for this division. So how they proceed forward, we will see. Uh, but as we've noted, you know, it's a pretty critical portion of the schedule that is coming up. So they are off on Monday, and then they welcome the Phillies for three to beautiful historic Wrigley Field. All of those are night games at 7.05. And then they welcome the Cleveland Guardians this weekend. Uh, after that, four with the Brewers, three with the Yankees. All of these games, Monday off, and then starting on Tuesday, straight in a row. 
Phillies, Great schedule. Cleveland, Brewers, Yankees, 13 games <laughs> in a row. Okay. I talked about this with uh, Cody and Ryan the other day. I am not saying that this is going to make or break the season, but given the timing ahead of the All-Star break and the trade deadline, given that they, uh, as we record this right now, are three and a half games out of first place, feels like this 13-game stretch is going to make or break the season, Brendan. Uh, potentially, right? It has the potential to, if they, if this is a solid run here, that's going to put them in a position to try and compete for this division come the trade deadline. If this 13-game stretch is a disaster, maybe that is the off-the-rails moment that Tom Ricketts uh, was kind of talking. Just putting both both paths in your mind. You can take whatever path. I'm trying to go all about my day in a positive light, and you always do this. You bring up the darkest comments. You can take whatever path you want. Uh, I do, if you are watching us live on YouTube at this moment, I will uh, kindly ask you hit that thumbs up, hit that like button. It helps uh, the CHGO Sports Channel, the CHGO Cubs podcast, reach more people. We appreciate you being in the chat uh, live with us if you're listening later. Hit us up on social media. Uh, Brendan's at Brendan Cubs. I'm at Corey Cubs on Twitter, CHGO Sports, CHGO Cubs. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what you think of the show. Uh, questions, comments, we're always... Only uh, if they're nice comments. Yeah, don't only if they're nice. I don't want to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only if they're nice. Yeah. Um, but we appreciate it. We appreciate you joining us on this Sunday. Enjoy your off day on Monday, and then we got to get ready, folks. This is a a big stretch, big homestand coming up. Let's start there, right? A 13-game stretch, but it's a big homestand. I will be at beautiful, historic Wrigley Field uh, to watch the Cubs take on Philadelphia and Cleveland. Let's, Let's start there. Keep those winning ways going. The Cubs have been winning a lot of series. They've had some winning weeks. Even if they can't win on Sunday, just keep these winning weeks and winning series going. And, you know, maybe the, the division takes care of itself, right? But the Cubs are in it. It's it's an interesting year. It's an interesting team, but the division is right there. So there's Stop nothing. Stop my Sundays, too. That's what there, I want. Yes. That's that, really what I need. Look, if they if you they know? if they go five and one next week, but the loss is on Sunday, deal. Do it. No. I'll take it. I'm sick of doing these on Sunday. Give me like. All right, then you're getting a one and five week where they win on Sunday. You know that's, that's how it would be. About. You know you know that you can't have it both ways. So anyway, I want it both ways. Why? Anyway, don't forget to tune in to Luke. Cody and Ryan and the CHGO Sports YouTube uh, for the shows throughout the week. Again, appreciate you guys joining us here on a Sunday live in the YouTube chat or wherever you are listening to your podcasts later. Brendan and I will talk to you next Sunday after a big homestand for the Chicago Cubs at Wrigley Field. We will talk to you again soon. Appreciate your support of everything at CHGO and the CHGO Cubs podcast. We will talk to you guys next week. And as always... Go Cubs.